Welcome to the Dayspring Community Church Podcast. Check out our website at dayspringonline.org. And now, Dr. Matt Friedemann. We're going to be in Proverbs, but maybe you would like to go right now to Psalm 15. Uh, we'll just put the Proverbs up on the screen for you. And Psalm 15 is where we'll uh, land hardest and bestest today. So we're doing a, uh, a series on Proverbs, and this will be the last in that series. Next week is Palm Sunday, and then, of course, Easter after that. They say the Song of Solomon is about a young man's love. Proverbs is about a middle-aged man's wisdom, and Ecclesiastes is an old man's sorrow. And all written, we suspect, by the same guy. And we look at that today, and I was noticing uh, late last evening, I was kind of having a difficult time concentrating sermon prep this, uh, this week because of uh, the deaths in our family and, and the ongoing dynamic of the week. Having said that, last night was a crunch time, so uh, we looked at the Proverbs, and I just wondered, how many times is this word in the Proverbs? Hevel. Say hevel. And... Uh, I, I'm just going to suggest to you, Hevel's not a good word. We're going to look at that here in just a moment. Uh, and we need to transfer or ask Jesus to take care of our Hevel and fill us with glory. Right? So that's what this is all about today. We need to say, Lord, fill up the emptiness of my Hevel and fill it with your glory. So having said that, let's look at some of the Proverbs that we've got going today. Uh, 13.11. Uh, you got it there, bud? Next screen. There we go. Uh, wealth obtained by... Now, Hevel's one of those words that it's... In, in even the NASB, which is what I use, the New American Standard Version, it has multiple... I'll show them to you in just a minute. Multiple words for Hevel. Uh, this is fraud is one of them. Wealth obtained by Hevel dwindles but the one who gathers by labor increases it. And that's what I was going to speak on today was labor, work. And uh, it, just, it just didn't inspire me at the end, so I traded it in for today's message. But let's start there. Wealth obtained by Hevel dwindles. Proverbs 21.6, The acquisition of treasures by a lying tongue is a fleeting vapor. So one of the definitions of Hevel is not just fraud, but it's vapor, as if... Nothing substantial is there. And then, charm is, you'll know Proverbs 31 as an incredible definition of a woman. Charm is deceitful and beauty is hevel. It's vain. But a woman who fears the Lord, she shall be praised. And so we see three different uses of hevel right there. And that's the three times it shows up in Proverbs. Only three. And there you have it. And one time it's fraud, another time it's vapor, still another time it's vain. They're thinking, huh, what are we going to make of that? Well, the number of times that the New American Standard uses it, breath comes up five times, delusion twice, emptiness is three times, fleeting is twice, fraud once, here, futile is once, idols, interesting enough. You see something, but there's nothing there, it's empty. Idols, mere breath, nothing, useless, vanity, vapor, worthless, all these terminologies 
Vanity is 62 times in the Old Testament, 30 times in Ecclesiastes alone. So when we say Song of Solomon at the beginning of the sermon, we go to Ecclesiastes and eventually we recognize that something went wrong in between those dynamics. What happened to the young man who was in love and became wise and yet seemingly threw that wisdom on the ash heap of human history and became empty? So let's look real quickly at a place called uh, Psalm 15 because I want to juxtapose that with something else today. We used this passage yesterday in preaching Alfred Smith's funeral. And the reason I used it was, I thought it was a pretty great definition of Alfred. But having said that, let me also say this. One of my sons was courting a young woman, and we were over at their house, and the father of the young lady wanted to have devotions that morning. So we woke up, we had devotions with him, and uh, what he wanted to know is, where scripturally do you find, by the way, it's a great, great Bible study for any one of us, where do you find a great scriptural definition of a man, where it's there in kind of a package deal? And he, I, I, I had an idea, so I led him where I thought, but he had an idea, and this is where he led me, and I've never forgotten it. He led me to Psalm 15. Psalm 15 says this, O Lord, who may abide in your tent, that is, your tabernacle? Who may abide in your temple? Who may abide in your holiest of places? Who may dwell on your holy hill? He who walks with integrity and works righteousness and speaks truth in his heart. He does not slander with his tongue, nor does he do evil to his neighbor, nor takes up a reproach against his friend, in whose eyes a reprobate is despised, but who honors those who fear the Lord. He swears to his own hurt and still doesn't change. He does not put out his money at interest, nor does he take a bribe against the innocent. He who does these things will never be shaken. Oh, my goodness. I have written in my Bible right beneath that, the unshakable man. <laughs> hey, who doesn't here want to be unshakable? Because the world's shaken. I mean, things shaken. In fact, I didn't even think God can cause some things to shake. And when he does, what we want to say is, yeah, although everything around me is shaking and going into chaos and things are falling away, yet I want to remain unshakable. And so I basically use this for Alfred. I just went down the list saying, I think that's him. I think that's him. I think that's him. I will rearticulate, though, if that's him, it's important that you know, again, we like to talk nice about people at their funerals. But if there's any good in anybody, if there's any good in anybody, it's because of the grace of God. If there's any real substance in our lives, it's because... Not anything we've done or anything we could have done. It's because what Jesus has done for us and he has done in us. So I was thinking, okay, what's the word? Now, I recognize grace is the word. But I was thinking, is there another word we could go to just so I could maybe carve some new ruts into some brains? And so the word I came up with was glory. Oh, isn't that a good word? Who wants to be filled with his glory today? 
No, 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 no. Really, who wants to be filled with His glory today? Because He wants to do it in your lives. He wants to do it in your life. And so I'm thinking, what does this all mean? First thing it means is simply this. When we think of emptiness, know that the emptiness is real. And you all know that if you remember your own testimony. You remember how empty you were. I remember, I was trying to think who I told this last to. And I hope it wasn't you in the last month. It was somebody in the last month. If it's you, then just say, hey, just like I like old songs, I like them played again. So here we go. Old song again. I was at the University of Kansas in my uh, senior year. And uh, I'm not proud to tell you, I am not proud to tell you, I was a member of a fraternity at the University of Kansas. It's a fraternity so bad, it doesn't even exist on the campus today. They kick the animal house off. I mean, it got that bad. I'm not proud to say I was a member of it, but nonetheless, I was a member of it. And uh, we had a last meal together. Now, the last meal... Everything in the fraternity house. If you know anything about fraternity houses, uh, pray for me as I go down. If, if, uh, if you know anything about fraternity houses, you know that the one who keeps the whole place sane and gentlemanly, in as much as it is, and it usually is not, is the house mom. We had a woman named Ma Brown. That's just what we call her. I forget her first name, but we call her Ma Brown. And Ma Brown, basically, when she walked in the room, everybody knew act like a gentleman, all right? Whatever dumb thing you're doing, stop doing it and act like a gentleman. Quit cussing, you know, quit, you know, quit drinking your beer or whatever. Just do the gentlemanly thing when Ma Brown walks in a room. Well, thankfully, she walked into lots of rooms because, you know, we, we were relatively sane some of the time. But in the last year, in the last week, someone who was in charge of Ma Brown, because some fraternity member that was his duty, was keep Ma Brown happy. Well, she wasn't happy, and they grew irritated with each other, and our guy kicked her off of our fraternity, just said, you may leave, and she did. Now, that's really bad news on a number of levels, but the worst level was we're about ready to have our senior banquet. I didn't think about this walking into it. I should have known it now that I think back on it. We walked into the senior banquet, and boy, they know how to do up senior banquets. They had China there. They... They had crystal there. They had red wine was flowing that night. Of course, I'm not drinking then. I don't drink now. But anyway, things were happening around this table. It's going to be nice. Everybody's dressed to the nines. Everybody's dressed perfectly. And so we all walk in. We all take our seats. And every senior is supposed to get an opportunity to give his senior speech. It's supposed to last five minutes. And uh, so I'm there, and I'm next to my buddy Marty. And I said, what are you going to say to your senior speech? And he said, I've got some things planned. I've been working on it. I said, yeah, I've got a couple things planned, too. But the, during the meal, about 10 minutes into it, something, uh, something kind of went across. You know, y'all have peripheral vision. You can see sometimes some things that happen, but you're not quite sure what it was. What was that? What was that, Marty? He said, I don't know. And I just kept eating. Then I saw it again. And then again, I thought, uh-oh, food fight. I thought, no, no, no. All I could look around, look around for Mall Brown. Well, Ma Brown's not in the room, and we got meat flying. And it's just a minute before the mashed potatoes start flying, and who knows what starts flying after that. And Marty says, Matt, if you want to give your senior speech, 
I'd get up now because I don't think you're going to be able to do it in 10 minutes. I said, you know, I'm going to start them off. I got up there. I got behind the lectern. I said, I'd like to give my senior speech. And they all know me as Mr. God Squad. I had found the Lord at the University of Kansas, dedicated my life to him entirely, knew I was headed to seminary. In fact, everybody knew that's where he's going to be next year at seminary. Mr. God Squad has just assumed the lectern. And everybody chilled out. No more food fight. No more fight. I mean, they had respect for God in the moment. Boom. I looked down and said, hey, I know no one here knows their Bible all that well, but I happen to know it relatively well. And there's a story by, we think, the richest man who ever lived named Solomon. You can find it in the second chapter of Ecclesiastes. In the second chapter of Ecclesiastes, Solomon starts writing down a little bit of his testimony. He says, I came to the time in my life where I looked in the mirror and I said, hey, enjoy yourself. And so I decided to do it. He said, I enlarged all my works. And then it's just a huge list for the next several sentences. I had houses. I had gardens. I had parks. I had fruit trees. I had male and female singers. I had concubines. In fact, he had 3,000 women in his life. I had concubines. He could do anything he wanted with those women. He said, I had the treasures of silver and gold. I had, I had the wealth of kings and provinces. All that my eyes desired, I did not refuse them. I said, but guys, if you could be in the second chapter with me right now in your mind's eye, go on down to the 17th verse, because there he says this. So... I hated life. Vanity of vanities. Hevel of hevel, all is hevel. It's all empty. It's all a vapor. It's all nothing. It's all fraud. Solomon said that? Indeed, Solomon did. And then I said this. I said, guys, we come from the best and the brightest in places like Wichita and Kansas City. Most of our guys were from Wichita and Kansas City. And I said, uh, there's going to come a day, I don't know when it's going to be, 30, 40 years from now, when you're going to wake up in your huge house. might even be a mansion. you wake up and you'll look over to a woman who used to be somebody as beautiful as Miss Kansas. And of course, where I'm from, what could be better than that? And you're going to look at the former Miss Kansas, and you're going to think, hmm, I have no appetite. You're going to go into your bathroom, and you're going to reach down, and you're just going to have exquisite fixtures everywhere. And there's going to be marble everywhere. And you're going to think, man, I've arrived. You're going to look out of your window, and you're going to see a Lamborghini down there, and you're going to think, whoa, I've arrived. But then finally, you'll look in the mirror. And you'll say these three words. So, I hate life. And you'll not know the Hebrew word, but the Hebrew word's going to be hevel. And you'll recognize in that moment, you are empty. And in that moment, cry out to Jesus, and he will fill you. And when you cry out to Jesus, and he fills you, You're headed for glory. 
Thank you. And I start walking away. And to a man, they all stood up and gave me a standing ovation. Oh, I was feeling good. I think, man, should I have an altar call? Where's just as I am when I need it? I sat down. Marty said, wow, great stuff. I'm thinking, hey, you know, shucks, thanks. Then I looked up and I thought, what was that? Pretty soon, the mashed potatoes as well. I even saw a fork and a knife zoom across the tables. And Marty said, let's get out of here. Y'all, that was like 42 years ago. And I don't doubt for a minute that some of those guys have arrived in life and they've said that very thing. I hate this. I'm the vice president. I'm the president of my company. I hate this. There's got to be something more. And y'all, I testify to you today, there is more. And that's where we come to this great word, Hevel. Hevel in Scripture is this incredible word for vapor, empty, fraud. But the other great word that we can know is the word kavod. I was thinking grace, but I thought, nah, let me, let me go to another angle. Let's go with kavod this morning. And kavod means, are you ready for this? Liver. Let's go with the biblical word for liver. Yeah, that's, that's, that's the answer to our problems. Liver. And growing up, my mom fed enough of it to me, I thought it probably was the answer to all problems. Liver. Are you kidding, mom? I mean, my children lucked out. They, they got a mama that didn't once feed them liver. Oh, no, I was raised on this stuff. Now, we never actually ate it, but it was always there. We, we find some novel thing to do with it. I noticed not long after she started doing it, and I remember it, there's, there's a nice little thing underneath the table with a little piece of wood that I could put it under, and she'd never know it. I could come back two days later, pick it up, and throw it away. She never knew it. I wasn't going to eat that stuff. I'm going to tell you right now, kavod is the answer to your problems. Kavod, in the Hebrew, starts off meaning liver. <laughs> it just does. I'm sorry about that. It just does. Now, this is why. In the ancient Near East, when they opened up a body, they recognized, wow, that heart. That heart has a lot of bells and whistles to it, a lot of flaps. He says, but man, when you get down to this thing, big, heavy chunk of meat, no bells and whistles on it, no flaps. It's just a big chunk of meat. And that became the word they used. Kavod meant liver because it was heavy. The heaviest thing they could find in this crevice called the body that was liver, and so they named it kavod. And so first off, it means this heavy thing. But the root meaning behind kavod developed from this idea of heaviness in a physical sense, that that which is heavy with riches. And so you read passages like in Isaiah 10.3, and it says there, To whom will you flee for help, and where will you leave your kavod? Which is to say, wealth. The heaviness of life is now in your pocketbook. And so it meant wealth. So it starts off liver, comes to mean wealth, but then this concept of material wealth in the non-material concept, it becomes meaning honor and splendor. Not just wealth, but it means honor and splendor. And pretty soon it became recognized as a key characteristic of God himself. Meaning what? You all know what it means. The glory of God. You have even a hard time suggesting what that even might mean. But you know this, it's awesome. Can I tell you what it is? It's heavy. 
It's wealthy. It's splendorous. It is, it's, it's glory. And so we see this come to us. It's characteristic of God. The heavens declare the glory of God. Arise, shine, it says in Isaiah 60. For your light has come, and the kavod, the glory of the Lord, rises upon you. Now, you're going to love the next thing here. I'm just going to tell you right now, you're going to love the next thing. <clears throat> I'm headed down the road one time, and Hutch Yuri reminds me of this, and we were laughing so hard in the car, we had to almost stop the car. We're both in tears laughing. I'd forgotten all about it. Then he reminded me. Then I remembered. We're in the front seat of this car. We took Bible study in seminary from the great Bible study teacher, Robert Trana. You might know his name, but anybody in biblical studies knows his name. He is the guy that popularized inductive Bible study. Anybody today that knows their inductive Bible study? Well, you can trace back what you know to Robert Trana. He's brilliant. And so we're studying the book of Exodus. We can't wait to find out what this book of Exodus means and what he sees in it. And so he's sharing us. And one of the things you recognize is what's the structural law of Exodus. And so we get done, and we're almost done. It's the last part of the class. And we have, Hutch and I have a friend that sits on the very front row. Now, y'all, you're just dumb if you sit on the front row if your name's not Billy Branson. Because just like that, I can do that with you because you're here. Yeah, but boy, the things that the front row has to do from time to time. So here we are. He's got two or three people on the front row. And here's this guy. Now, this guy doesn't quite walk right. He doesn't, he's the sweetest guy in the whole seminary. But he's a little slow, studies harder than anybody else, walks a little funny, talks a little funny. Everybody loves this guy. But he sits on the front row. And Trina is saying, okay, class, read the last couple of paragraphs. What do you see? No one can see anything. No one sees anything in the last couple of paragraphs. No, come on, says Trina. He's getting irritated now. We don't want him to be irritated. He's the great Robert Trina. No, he says, come on, what do you see? Silence. Uh, 30 students in there. Me and Hutch are a couple. We're, we're just kind of diving down below the person in front of us. I don't know. I don't see anything. Do you see anything, Hutch? I don't see anything. Oh, no. Oh, no. And then all of a sudden we hear this voice. Oh, come on, what do you see? And this voice from the front row, our friend, doesn't quite talk right, doesn't quite walk right, a little slow. He decides he's going to speak, and all we can think of is, oh, no, oh, no, oh, no, oh, no. And he says, just, just that the glory of the Lord fills the temple. It could be predicted what happened next. He'd have been okay if he hadn't said the word just. Trina goes, just? 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 Just that the glory of the Lord fills the temple? Just? (laughs) Poor kid, front row, he's dying. We're all dying for him. It's not just the glory of the Lord fills the temple. That's the climax of human existence. The glory, the presence of God fills the temple. In Exodus, they start off slaves. And then at the end of the book, the glory of the Lord. It's not just, it's 
Woo! Hallelujah! Thine the glory! Then the next question you have to ask is, could he do it again? <laughs> I don't know, could he? Could he do it again in here? Could the glory of the Lord fill this temple? Could the glory of the Lord fill your temple? Could he come into you and fill you to the very brim? And that's what kavod finally means at its apex. It's the presence of a heavy God in your life. I know you don't want to be heavier, but go ahead and embrace it. Just say to him, I want to be heavier. God, I want to be heavier. I want to be heavy with you, substantial with you. I want to be real with you. I want you and all of you in my life. Lord, make me all that you are. Praise be to God. He wants to. He's going to do it. If you're crazy enough to say, come, glory of God, and really mean it, He's coming. He's coming. He's coming. Yes, he can do it with you and with me to the brim. Solomon had three-part wisdom literature story. It should have gone like this. In the Song of Songs, it's about a young man's love. In the Proverbs, it's about a middle-aged man's wisdom. But in Ecclesiastes, Solomon wrote about an elderly man himself and his continued passion for the glory of God. That's not the book that was written. Y'all, it doesn't matter whose funeral, we do. The real story takes place in the car going home. What kind of guy really was he? I know the pastor just said what he said. The pastor just said what he said about her or him or anybody else. But really, what were they like? The story gets told. Whether the pastor ever says it or not, the story gets told. The story you want told of your life, may it be said of you on that day, and honestly by everybody speaking of you, the glory, the kavod of God filled them to the brim. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Would you receive the benediction? Aim for restoration. Comfort one another. Agree with one another. Live in peace. And the love of God and His peace will be with you all now and forevermore. Amen. Amen and amen. God bless you, Dayspring. Thank you very much.